Good morning, everyone. Thank you very much for uh, having me this morning. Um, the mustard seed uh, is, you know, a very important uh, ministry here in the city of Edmonton, and I'm proud to be a part of it uh, for the last four years. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, we serve the homeless and poor of our fantastic city, and your church is part of the reason why we exist, uh, both in the inception in 1988 and your continued support over the last number of years. Um, I've been able to serve as executive director for the last four years, and it's been my privilege to be part of the great work that the Mustard Seed does. Today I want to preach on my favorite Bible story, um, which is the one that was just read. Now, I understand the resurrection is also very cool, and I'm not trying to belittle that, uh, but, you know, so we can always say our favorite Bible story is the resurrection, and then there's the other one. This is the other one for me. Um, I love this story, and I want to relate it to our work at the Mustard Seed. In Mark 5, we read of Jesus being extraordinary. Now, I recognize that Jesus is always extraordinary, but I like this story. There's a crowd. One guy pulls his attention away, Jesus' attention away from the crowd. Jesus goes to heal that individual's daughter. He ends up healing another woman along the way. As he's healing that other woman, the young girl dies. Jesus goes to where that girl is anyways and raises her up from the dead. I don't know what you're doing this afternoon, but it's a lot less significant. That was an afternoon stroll for Jesus. A few hours tops. And this is what he did. It is Jesus doing some very ordinary things, yet some also some very extraordinary things. Um, today, I want to talk to you about the power of with and how we can learn from Christ that when we walk with somebody, that it makes a transformational difference. And so you can go to the next slide. Thanks. So the first thing that we learn is that Jesus determined that there was incredible power with large community. In Mark 5:21, Jesus has a very large crowd gathered around him. This is very familiar to Jesus. He often had to navigate this, and he would often withdraw because the crowds around him pressured him so much. There were times where he felt like he had to kind of get away from them, but yet he didn't ever reject the large crowd. There is a part of Jesus that always seemed to embrace the crowd. And I would argue that we too at times need to embrace the crowd. We need to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves. We need to be part of something that is a cause that will make a difference. One of the extraordinary things about a church community isn't so much in how we receive things, but what happens when a church community decides to do something together and the changes that it can make to community and to society. There is great power in understanding What happens when a large group of people come together to do something with one another? We've experienced this at the Mustard Seed a lot. Um, As you know, as a Christian agency, uh, we serve everyone who comes to us. There's no litmus test on who we will and will not serve. We welcome everyone. However, we also attract a lot of Christians because of the work we do and because of the fact that we are Christians. And one such gentleman, his name is Edward, he's been coming to the seed for a long, long time. And he comes to our building on 96th Street that we keep trying to call the 96th Street Hub, but we keep calling the church. And uh, Edward has been there a long, long time. And he's very demonstrative 
in his faith. And he will tell anyone what he believes within 30 seconds of him arriving into the door. And because of this, there's at times where maybe some people kind of get a little turned off by Edward. But yet, he is such a good, gentle, kind man and so respected. So on the day of Edward's birthday last year, Edward is sitting there and he's uh, having his meal. And this night, the group that had come in had decided that they would serve um, pudding cups for dessert. Now understand the value of a pudding cup to those in the inner city. Um, This is the snack that you want. This is dessert. And the reason why it's so important is because you can take it with you. You can eat it at midnight. You can eat it at six in the morning. It can be breakfast. It can be a midnight snack. It can be bartered for a pack of smokes. A pudding cup has power in the inner city for the homeless folks. And so as the pudding cups are being served, it comes knowledge that it is Edward's birthday. One individual walks by where Edward is sitting, and he puts a pudding cup in front of Edward. And he says to him, happy birthday. A couple minutes later, another person comes by, puts a pudding cup down in front of him, and says, Edward, happy birthday. Within five, six minutes, there's a dozen birthday putting cups in front of Edward. And within 20 minutes, there was 60. And each person honored Edward as they came by and said, happy birthday, and gave him this thing of incredible value, something they had sacrificed. It was a powerful moment of community, a powerful moment of understanding the power of with. The ironic thing in all of this is that Edward is diabetic and could not eat any of these things. (laughs) That doesn't matter. The fact is, they were honored. There is power in large community. There is power when we decide to walk with someone. Incredible power when we decide to walk with someone. Jarius is a synagogue leader. He's not a priest, but a lay leader. In our context, he's an elder or he's a deacon. And he requests that Jesus lay hands on his daughter who is sick. Laying hands in the Jewish tradition was associated with divine power. It's why Paul writes today, or wrote in the New Testament, we practice today, that we lay hands on people. There's no power in laying hands on people. But it's symbolic of the fact that when we do this, that we're asking for divine power to make a difference in someone's life. And so Jairus says, please, Jesus, come and see my daughter and lay hands on her. Jesus doesn't need to show up to heal her. In Luke 7, we read that Jesus heals his centurion's son without showing up. But yet here we read that Jesus chooses, despite the large crowd impeding him, to walk with Jairus, to walk with one person. You walk with the crowd, but you also walk with one person. I think when at all possible, it's better to walk with someone than to walk alone. I um, have one, I've got three daughters, um, 21, 18, and now 17, uh, it's, it's, it's way worse than you imagine. Um, the, 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 the emotional stuff in my house is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, it's getting a little bit better as I get a little older, but there was a few years there I did not know what was going on, uh, only having an older brother uh, growing up. And so uh, my youngest, though, it's interesting. I, I like to go for walks at night. She always goes with me. Uh, whenever I run an errand, she always says, can I come in the car with you? 17. She has her own car and her license. 
When I was a young kid, my grandfather would let me walk around with him on his ranch. And I think one of the things that we need to develop more in our society is this idea that we should never go anywhere alone. That if you've got grandkids, they should go with you. That if you've got children, they should go with you. If you have nieces and nephews, they should go with you. And if you're younger, you should want to have those quiet times in a car with grandma and grandpa or mom and dad. That there's incredible power just in presence. And I'd love to say that I'm the kind of dad that says, you know, don't listen to your own music, let's talk. I don't always do that. Sometimes they listen to what they want to listen to and I listen to what I want to listen to. But it's in those moments where they want to talk that I'm just there, that my wife is just there. There is power in walking with someone. There's a reintegration program at the Mustard Seed that happens here every Saturday night. And uh, with that, um, it's a chaplain that walks with people that are coming out of prison to reintegrate in society. There's been extraordinary power in just walking with people who don't want to reoffend, but need supports to ensure that they don't. Incredible power in that. Uh, Father Gregory Boyle says this, Go where love has not yet arrived and love what you find there. Walk with people and extraordinary things happen. The third thing that we can learn from Jesus is the importance of with, not just for. Jesus is walking to heal Jairus' daughter and a woman touches his cloak. The woman was incurable for 12 years and her condition made it so that she had to live outside of community. She is healed by Jesus, but then he does something ordinary after the extraordinary act of physically healing her. So he, he physically heals her, unintentionally, I might add. Now she just touches him, and he's, she's healed. And then he turns and does the most ordinary thing that he possibly could. He gives her a name, daughter. The extraordinary act of four physically healed her. The ordinary act of calling her daughter said that she was now in a place of belonging. She now had community. She had been living on the outside for 12 years, nameless, faceless, and now she was in community and had a family. She belonged to something. She belonged to someone. He saw her. He named her. He gave her family. And in doing something extraordinary for her, he also remembered that he needed to do something that indicated he would be with her. We love for It's easy, we get in, we get out, we feel great about ourselves, and while it can be helpful and necessary, four is never transformational. I said this this morning, if world hunger was solved by giving somebody food, it would have been solved a long time ago. Now, if somebody's hungry, you need to give them something to eat. I'm not disputing that. But that doesn't change their circumstances. What changes someone's circumstances, what transforms, is with. It's not just eating or serving somebody a meal, is deciding that I will now sit with them and get to know them while they eat it. It's saying that there is no difference between the person who gives and the person who receives. That we are all God's children. And we all belong together. And as such, not only will I give you what I have, I will share it with you. I will eat with you. I will be with you. Four years ago, I was hired as a seventh director of the Mustard Seed in seven years. 
I left a church that I loved. I'd been there for uh, almost 11 years as the founding and senior pastor, and I knew that I could retire as part of that church, and I left to a place that I was the seventh director in seven years, from job security to complete insecurity. I was well aware that the mustard seed had always done great work, but it was a terrible place to work. Um, It wasn't a very good place to volunteer, and there was probably better alternatives for you to give your money to. Other than that, it was awesome. Uh, What's interesting to me is that during these days of struggle, and they were long years of struggle, at least seven years, you could even say go back to ten years, you as a church stood with the mustard seed. Maybe it was out of loyalty. Maybe it was belief in our work. Maybe it was in spite of the mustard seed. You said, these people just need to eat, so we're going to work with this organization that is a gong show because people need food. I don't know why you did, but you did. And I cannot express to you enough my gratitude for that. If your church and a few other loyal people and organizations do not stay with us, um, we're not at the place where we are today. And it, that isn't about the mustard seed. That's about the people we serve. Because you stood with us, there are clients now that are housed, that are employed, um, that have found Jesus, that are clothed, that are no longer hungry. And you stood with us through a very dark period. On behalf of the mustard seed, corporately, I want to thank you for sticking with us during a very difficult time. Thank you for loving the homeless and the poor of Edmonton in spite of who we were as an organization. And today we are healthy and we are growing and we are well again. And we hope that as you look at the mustard seed, you don't think of us as that place that you have to support, but you think of that place that you get to partner with. And we hope that that continues. Jean Vanier said this, we are not called by God to do extraordinary things but to do ordinary things with extraordinary love. Thank you for loving the mustard seed in a very ordinary way. We needed it, and you did it. The second last thing I want to talk about is how Jesus demonstrated that we should have someone who is our closest with. It's noteworthy how Jesus brings three people with him wherever he goes. When he could have gone alone, again, he chooses to go with in part to have some witnesses, in part to teach and to train, in part because they were his people. Last November, I nearly died of pneumonia. I don't say that flippantly. I mean, I nearly died. When you're laying in the hospital bed in emergency and there's about 10 doctors over you and they're pulling things and plugging things and doing all this stuff and they all leave and the last person is your nurse and she says to you, do you have anyone I can call? You know it's not good. So a couple days in, day in, they stick this tube down my back and they, um, there's this big ball of gross stuff in my lung that they couldn't get rid of. So they tried to suck it out. And as the freezing was going out, um, this pain had hit me like I've never felt before. And my wife had walked in and said, um, are you okay? I said, no, I need meds. And for whatever reason, things happen from... The time I asked for pain medication to when I got it was about an hour. And uh, it was funny. Initially, the nurse was like, how's your pain on a scale of 1 to 10? It's an 11. She came back 20 minutes later. How's your pain on a scale of 1 to 10? It's a 32. <laughs> like, you see where this is going. Um, so finally, I get shot with an injection of morphine. And I've been sitting on the edge of my bed 
holding on to my knees, unable to move because any movement, because my lung hurt so bad, I knew would result in, in me being in agony. So finally, once they got that in, I said to my wife, can I lay down, please? And can you help me lay down? She's like, yeah. And as I'm laying down, um, a wave of negative emotion hit me. Um, I'd lost my mom two months earlier, and suddenly I missed her like I hadn't missed her since the day she died. I was scared that I was going to die, and um, I was in a lot of pain. And then my closest with is my wife, put her hand on my leg, and all I heard was the word Jesus, and I heard nothing else for the next 10 minutes as she prayed for me. We need someone like that in our life, don't we? Whether it's a spouse or a close friend or a pastor or whatever, we need a closest with. Even Jesus, the Son of God, had a closest with. Who's yours? And lastly, Jesus is with us in death. Jesus heals a girl and proves it by having her eat. Um, The reason why he proves it by having her eat is because back in those days, they believed in spiritual resurrections or in ghosts, but ghosts couldn't eat food. So what he is demonstrating is that this is not a spiritual resurrection, this is a physical resurrection. That's why Jesus ate immediately after his resurrection, and that's noted in Scripture. That's why it's noted in Scripture here. This is a physical resurrection of this girl. The ultimate with is in death. And while Jesus died for us, he rose so that he could be with us in life and in death. And that's Jesus' hope for you today and my hope for everyone, is that you will not only know what Jesus did for you, but that you will understand and appreciate what life is like when Jesus walks with you. We uh, run a horse therapy program, and I'm going to tell you a quick story about it, and then I'm going to close. Um, This is from Garrett, one of our chaplains, and he's talking about someone named Robert. There's a man I've known for almost three years. His name is Robert, and when I first knew him, he was not doing so well. Feeling very lonely and lost, Robert turned to drugs to numb the pain. Robert started coming to most of our Christian programs, and after a year, he stated he was no longer taking drugs. I supported him and told him about my Friday group sessions, and he signed up for our horse program. Our horse program is we bring people from the inner city out to Camp Nakamon and teach them how to groom, bridle, put a saddle on, and ride a horse. It's really cool. If you've been around horses at all, you know how therapeutic they are. Um, It is now the second year in the horse program for Robert and I, and we sat down the other day um, to support him and tell him how proud I was of him. This is what Robert said to me about our journey together over the last few years. I was a mess when I first came to the seed, ready to kill myself. I even tried to, but I couldn't do that well either. Then I heard about your Bible studies and that you let everyone talk and have input. So I came not caring about God at that moment, but hoping to find compassion and caring. I needed emotional and physical support. I found it, and I felt safe, so I started to come to your group on Fridays. With help, I came out of my haze, and I felt good about myself for the first time in years. I didn't know anything about my spirit or God, and then I discovered the horse program. Just getting out of the city was so nice. I felt free and like an adventure was about to begin. After having a meal with people, I had come to know it was time to go on the horse. I had never been on one and was a little apprehensive. But there was this creature of God, powerful, and after we figured each other out, I was sitting on this animal, accomplishing something. 
That is something I haven't felt in a long time, a feeling of accomplishment. I can ride a horse. When I got home that night, I decided I was going to live. Please hear that. When I got home that night, I was decided I was going to live and make the most out of my life. Maybe I'm a little late to figuring this all out, but having people interested in you and helping you was what I needed, and I came to understand that my Lord knew this all too well and was guiding me. Yes, it took a while, but I would call myself a follower of Jesus. That is the power of with. Do you know the power of with in your life, of being Christ with you, of choosing to live with others, and choosing not to just to do something for the marginalized and the hurting and the homeless, but in choosing to live life with them. First Baptist Church, thank you for being with the mustard seed. And I ask that you would continue to partner with us so that together we can expand the kingdom of God to those that are hurting in our city.